He is a two-time Bassmaster Angler of the Year, a 20-time Bassmaster Classic Qualifier, 58 Bassmaster Top 10s, $2.5 million in Bassmaster earnings. And people say when you make it, they, they call you by one name, like Madonna or Elvis. But what if it's just one letter? G, as in Gerald Swindle, joins me this week on... I'm Bob Cobb for the Bassmaster. Welcome to Mercer. Here we go again. It must be hump day because I am back in your life. Welcome one, welcome all friends, family, freeloaders, fishing freaks. You're all welcome here at the Awkwardly Honest Fishing Podcast that goes by my last name, which is Mercer. So welcome into episode 116. And once again, I have some very, very good news. And it feels like I'm giving these kind of updates all the time. But it's because of you guys and your incredible support of this channel, of this show. Um, you guys continuously blow me away. If you're listening on a streaming service, I thank you for that. I, uh, the streaming numbers are through the roof. We've actually got more people watching this show right now streaming than we are on YouTube. It used to be the opposite. It was all YouTube. And then the streaming numbers were a little behind. The streaming numbers are way ahead of the YouTube numbers. But speaking of YouTube, this just a week ago, and I'm going to post something on social media. Um, I'm weird with that. It takes me a while to post positive things like that about uh, the show, myself, whatever. Um, but I will post something on social about it, and you guys should hear about it first anyways. This YouTube channel recently passed 225 million Views. That's right. 225 million YouTube views. Wow. I mean, thank you. That's all I can say is thank you, guys. You guys have been incredible, each and every one of you. And uh, whether you're a new listener, whether you've been here from the start, and hey, let's have some fun. If you're a YouTube viewer or if you're a streaming viewer, leave a review there. We need more reviews in the streaming stuff. So please help me out there. Take a few seconds, leave a review, rate, whatever you do on your streaming services. Um, but if you're a YouTube viewer, let me know in the comments. Here's the question of the week. When you started listening to this show, uh, were you here from the very start? Were you here before the show started? Or did you recently join us? Just let us know. Just put a number in the comments there and it just be interesting. Um, but thank you. Thank you all for making this show what it is. And um, there's two groups of people that, that I'm so thankful for. It's you guys, the viewers, and the amazing guests that we have on here. Because, let's face it, this um, show is never kind of the same. You know, like people say, well, what is an episode of this like? It's literally wherever the angler chooses to take it. Some of them are funny. Some of them are serious. Some of them... You know, they're just all over the board. It's where, And some of them are all of the above. Um, but it's all wherever, whatever direction the angler wants to take it. Because literally, I asked the anglers one thing. I said, please, come on the show, and let's just have an honest, real conversation. And that's what you guys have responded to. So I thank you for that, and I thank all the anglers for their open and honest approach to this show. I cannot thank you enough. Because... Let's be honest. 
while you're speaking of honest, and I'll keep using that word honest a few more times, it gets you in trouble sometimes. Sometimes it's a lot easier just to fly into the radar. But um, these are real conversations, and I am really thankful for each and every one of the anglers. And this week's angler is um, one of the most entertaining anglers in the sports, one of the most accomplished anglers in the sport. Um, two-time angler of the year, you know, everything he's accomplished is amazing. I mean, he, he is, I believe, transcending the sport right now. He is a part of the sport, but there's people that are Gerald Swindle fans that became a fan for so many reasons other than bass fishing. And he does so many things outside of just bass fishing. And what I mean by that is his impact on people. I swear to you, there isn't a week, I swear. There, I don't remember the last Elite Series event that I worked and somebody randomly didn't come up to me and be like, you know, is Gerald here? I want to meet him. He saw me through a tough time in my life. He saw me through a, a health scare in my life. He saw me through a divorce, whatever. I mean, it's just his message touches people in so many different ways. And... um I think that's one of the coolest things about Gerald. I mean, everybody will point out how funny he is and, and, you know, hey, dude could have been a comedian. Sure, all of that. But really, what the amazing thing is his impact on people in in ways so much greater than just laughter. Um, anglers, you know, Kyle Welcher a week ago was on the show, talked about Swindle and how Swindle is one of those positive role models in his life, showing him how to take the next steps in the sport and that sort of thing. It's truly amazing. Um, one of the most embarrassing, humbling, and amazing experiences I had with Swindle was this year at the Classic. I mean, he, and I haven't really talked about this because it's weird. Um, you guys know I'm weird with public compliments. And for Gerald Swindle to take time during his way in at the classic and point me out and kind of give me some kudos means so much to me, not just because of what he said, but also where he said, when you look at how valuable that time is to an angler, like they get up there for a minute. If you win it, you might get five minutes, but you get a minute at a time, basically, if that, and for him to take that time, to shine light, not on a sponsor, not on some, but on me, was incredibly humbling, and um, it's something I'll never forget and never stop being thankful for, and also kind of embarrassed and and weird that way. But um, I got to thank G for being G, and um, this is going to be a good show. And as I said, it goes in all different directions. Whatever direction the angler chooses to take the show, it goes. And this one, I'll be honest, it gets a little spicy. We deal with some of the spicy topics in the sport of professional bass fishing. And there has been a bunch of them the last few months, it seems. So, um, But before we get into any of this, remember, everything is alleged on this show. All of uh, the stories, uh, maybe fantasy. Maybe real, but they do get a little spicy, this one. And it's also entertaining and fun, and it's, it's G. It's, it's an emotional roller coaster. We're going to laugh, we're going to cry, but we're going to have a good time, I think. 
Let me know what you guys think at the end of this deal. Without further ado, let's get out to Gunnersville, Alabama, to the G-Man himself right now. Gerald Swindle. Gerald Swindle, in the last few weeks, according to your social media, you've been from Alabama to Jamaica, from Jamaica back to Alabama to Detroit, back to Alabama, and now you're here, which, I mean, yes. uh, I, I'm excited about all of that. I wanted some Canadian love. I mean, I got I got Jamaican love. I got some Detroit gunshot. I need some <laughs> Canadian hugs. <laughs> I mean, well, well, let's start with Jamaica. How was Jamaica? You know, we we have a group of our friends. There is four couples. And for the last couple of years, we do one uh, all-inclusive all year. And we go to it and. The, so we try to pick a new one every year because we don't know much about them. So let's go to this one. Go so, so this was our first time to go to Jamaica. I'm not saying I like anything bad about it, but I probably wouldn't go back. You know, it was like it, it just it wasn't what it was good. I mean, they they I mean the food was good, but the average age was like 111. Oh, so the resort was old on Golden Pond. <laughs> swan <laughs> so uh I felt but that's like, kind of can be good though like it you could roll through and be like look at that guy yeah <laughs> well I, I guess you can find in the positive mental attitude in that but i mean i started wanting to carry epi pen and, and like some paddles because i didn't i mean like i said hey i'm i'm 53 and getting a little age on me but the, but and all jokes aside, I felt like the Jamaican people, like the uh, the customs, like going through customs in Jamaica, yeah. took us almost two hours and forty five minutes standing in line. It was really slow, really aggravating. Where it's like when we went to Mexico, when we went to the Dominican, it's pretty fast. You in and out. Yeah. In the resort, uh, this resort seemed a little bit more like you know you, when you they would people warning you don't leave the resort, don't leave the resort. So I don't I don't know a lot about Jamaica, but. We enjoyed it, but we all agreed as much fun as we made it, which, you know, we probably made some people uncomfortable because we carry on party and we really was just wanting to have a good time. But now I can tell you about nine o'clock down there. The only thing going down is Geritol. <laughs> the lights go out. Well, but I, I, do you think that's a resort? I mean, I've been in Jamaica and I've had a very different experience. <laughs> well, that's the Mercer. <laughs> You have probably been cooped up in the snow for like three months. You had cabin fever. I, I think it was a, it's a little bit more laid back of environment. Uh, yeah. The water was pretty. It has nice pools and the food. I mean, I'd give it on a one to 10, I'd give it an eight. And we did enjoy it with the friends we carry with us made it nice, but I think we were probably going to try, but we go to one every year. So last year we was at the Dominican and it was really good. Yeah, but you know we like all inclusives. They're they're not super expensive. You could fly in and enjoy yourself, take naps, eat. We ate way too much. Yeah, right? and when I figured out what jerk chicken pizza was, I crippled it. <laughs> I mean, I made a run on that pizza like Van Dam did back in two thousand. Like I was <laughs> blasting that chicken, bro. <laughs> I always feel weird at those. Like I like all inclusives. I love the fact that you can go somewhere and. Not have to carry your wallet and everything like that is a very freeing feeling. Weird, like I'm patting my front of my pants. I'm like, we need, we need to give this bro like more money. And they're like, hey, <laughs> I made you tip. I'm like, it feels mighty weird not to pay for nothing. It does. And then of course, by the end of the trip, the girls have figured out. And they're like, we'll just take one of every dessert. We'll just try one of every one. 
<laughs> that's where I feel real weird. You see the whole everybody just fryer tuck in life. They take like one bite out of a chicken and I don't want that. Your chicken leg. Let me try the spare ribs. <laughs> so yeah, that part takes a little bit used to because I like it's just not my style, but it was a much more quiet resort. Let me tell you like yeah. that. I got in trouble for running Mercer and I got two bad knees. I could not outrun Michael Jackson and he's been there a long time. So I was trying to hobble to the boat because I had to go back and get the speaker to go to the private island. So I wanted to carry on music. And the security guard just lit me up for, for running. And a I'm speed like, violation. I'm like, I really appreciate that with these two bad wheels. I mean, <laughs> now so it was a very laid back, very quiet. So if you want right. to go just sleep a lot, but I think the girls are already on a prowl for a new one next year. You should join us on one. Oh, I, 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 I don't need an excuse to have a vacation. I like those. <laughs> I do enjoy you them. Know where we looked at it before we dive into fishing, the all inclusives for the money are not bad. No. Oh, they're $3,500 to $4,800. That's flight included, which is really expensive right now compared to what it was, you know, a couple of years ago. Yeah. $3,000. Yeah. But it's still for for all you can eat or your food, your drinks, whatever you want. It's all included. So we we probably tipped a couple hundred bucks, you yeah. know, and just hung out with our friends. So when you look at it, if that's the kind of vacation you're looking for, and we we I ran into some G Man fans. I found me a Cajun on the beach. It didn't take long. I found a raisin <laughs> Cajun. Oh, just like Cliff Crochet he said, "Bro, no yard, bro, no yard." I'm like, "Well, I know who you are. You somebody friends with Cliff Crochet." <laughs> What is, what is vacation like for you? Like, what do you like? What this, this resort was quiet. What does your group like to get up to get, bring me through the day. We don't like, we're not a big crazy party group, like nothing like that. We like, uh, Leanne loves and her friends. I love to lay by the beach Yeah, and they like good food, but we like Leanne and I like a low stress vacation. Like we don't like to plan anything. We don't do any excursions. None of that. Yeah. It's all about just get up when you get up drink your coffee. You do what you want to do. And the good thing is the couples we go with like Ryan and Kelly, one of my best friends, like we don't care. Like if you don't call us to go eat breakfast, we don't get mad. <laughs> and he don't either. Like if you wake up at seven days hungry, go eat. I'm not going to get my feelings hurt if you eat without me. So it's the, I think it's the non-scheduling, like non-time restraint. Cause in, in the bass fishing world, even yourself, you have a flight to catch. Yeah. You have a blast off time. You have, start the stage time you got to do live so mercer's on a clock a literally a clock from the time you leave canada to you get home so sometimes it's good to go somewhere and just put the clock down it doesn't matter what time it is i'm not on a schedule so vacation we look for not a schedule but i i think i really want to go down and see crete man and do uh jeff crete is at to uh crab island go down to yeah. hang out with him he's gotten in shape ain't he well, I mean, he's living in Crab Island. I mean, I, I mean, bros done got a six pack. Like he's like different Jeff Creed. I'm like, Hey, I'd give this fishing thing up. And you know, he didn't go to St. Clair. He wasn't there. Mike McClellan filled in for him. Yeah. He just, uh, I asked him why not. I asked, uh, somebody about it. And I said, he just got so much business. <laughs> you know, his wife's down there. She runs a boat. He uh -huh. runs a boat. They, they sold everything in Oklahoma and moved to Florida. What? I'll be honest. I I love Crete. I've always followed his social media. I like it even more now. I love it more I now. Mean, his job is to party with bikini clad girls 
on bachelorette parties. Like, yeah, and cool dudes. Like he's hanging out with all these dudes. And I'm like, Preach took a whole new, and I like it. I like it, but you know, it just shows a guy like that. He sensed the business. He's seen it. I think Gene Osmond got him into yeah. it. That's a lot of money and captain the boat out to Crab Island. And, and he had told uh, one of my friends, he said, the biggest concern he has is someone drowning. So like Ooh. when he carries a bachelorette party out or a bachelor party, he said, your biggest thing is you got to watch everybody, make sure nobody, but like, what a great move, man. He's still on the water, but he's guaranteeing money. Big. Yeah. Money. Yeah. And then Captain Dave, you could do the MC. Oh, I would love it. I would yes. <laughs> yes. And one of the bridesmaids coming in, she weighs in at 128 pounds, <laughs> nothing but blue and a little bit of dental floss on the backside. Seen more cotton in the top of aspirin bottle. She hails from South <laughs> Alabama. I could hear you. Well, small babies. <laughs> There would be something giant. <laughs> hey, money's money. I give it Crete. He he he's uh he he made a good call, you know. So I think our next vacation, we might ride by and see him after I cast if I can get booked in. Yeah. What do you ever think about like let's assume this is kind of Crete's retirement gig, you know what I mean? What do you ever think about that? Like the future of G? Dude, I that's spooky. <laughs> as long as it don't involve prison, I don't really mind. But some days <laughs> people make me mad enough. I start thinking, how am I going to look at orange and what are they serving down there at the county jail? <laughs> you know, uh, I, I do a little bit like, what would I do? Because uh, Leanne always jokes with me. She said, this is all you know. Yeah. Life has been traveling and fishing. She said, even when you're not fishing, hell, you're fishing. Uh -huh. you're you're doing tackle you're working on this you're working on that and like today working on my motor spooling up rods gonna film tomorrow mossy oak trying to get up and see carl and go fish me and fishing has been my life do i think i could ever see me not fishing i don't know but crete sure showed me a way to have a good time <laughs> <laughs> you know because people's like hey would you want a guide there's not enough money out here to make me guide bass fishing i don't know how you feel about guide this is a personal, if you want to know my biggest thing that I dislike, so it wouldn't be my biggest pet peeve, it'd be the thing that I dislike doing more than anything in the world is taking somebody on a fishing trip. Why? I, now, let me restate. Me and you going fishing, that's different. Me and Trey gotcha. going fishing, me and my buddy Ryan, but like going on a guide trip because I so worry about them having a good time and you end up with like, like a lot of broken tackle and yeah. stuff off and i think it's hard to detune because as in our world when you put the boat in you automatically go into this certain mode where yeah. time is money everybody moves get out of the way we got somewhere to go and that's hard to get yourself back out of that so when i'm guiding or i take somebody out just for a sweepstakes trip or just a something like that it's weird because i can't i can't i can't wind back down so i struggle with it yeah so I, like I, do you feel that no, I totally agree. Totally agree. And I think that, that, I mean, and I'm going to get some hate from some people of this, but I will say there's a lot of good tournament anglers that guide, but of yeah. the handful of what I consider great guides that I've met all around the world while traveling, like really this is, that's their career. Yep. None of them are tournament anglers just because I, th I, you know what I mean? You're balancing both ends it's two totally different worlds. It's it's like saying I love bad habits. 
it teaches you bad habits because you get in a situation where nobody can cast around the structure and you say, well, let's just pull off the bank and make the day. So yeah. I think, I think you see guys do that and it. Daryl Gleason has been a guy that's balanced guiding and tournament fishing. And you see he's guided less this year. Yeah. Look where he's at in the points. Yeah. I would not. And I love Daryl Gleason like a brother to me and he's a great angler, but he has guided so much. It's a different business. Totally different. Totally different. So like, to me, that's kind of one of my deals. So people always ask me, would you guide when you die? When you like, if you retired, would you go guide? No, probably not. Probably not. I'd, I'd still fish. I, I think that's why I still like fishing Tuesday nighters and Sunday nighters, or whatever Sunday evening turns is the clock runs. And it's what yeah. I, it has a purpose. And I don't know. My wife says, Leon always says, she said, I think if you ever had to step away from it, she said, she said, I think you'll need that. So like she starts planning some kind of therapy for me. I'm like, no, I don't know. But I guess, you know, like Crete's deal is good. I, I don't know, man. I think, I think if I ever get my body gives out and I get that discouraged, I think being alone would be peaceful. Yeah. You're a people person. When people see Dave Mercer, you can relate to this. When they see Dave Mercer, they see the face of bass. They see the they they see the voice of bass. They see the energy Stop you it. bring to the way in. Okay. But sometimes when you're behind the stage, I've seen Dave. When his ass is dragging his tracks out, he's tired. But when someone walks up, you can still give them Dave that they want to see. You don't never say, Hey, I'm really tired. I've got a migraine headache. My my daughter's sick. I need to be at home. You never say that. You say, I'm Dave Mercer. Y'all have it like, so I think sometimes to be able to just be you and alone would not be that bad. Do you agree? No, I agree. Uh, and I, but I think that it, it's a weird, I mean, it's easy to retire. Like at the end of every shitty flight where I'm stuck somewhere for, I'm like, I'm done. I don't need I'm this done. crap in my life. And then we I'm, spend I'm two weeks apart. <laughs> And I'm going to be a greeter. I'm going to stand <laughs> on my best stone, and I'm going to yell hey to everybody. <laughs> I was thinking more like a bingo hall. Like, I think I'd be a good bingo caller. B42. I don't know. I don't know if you will retire, Mercer. I mean, you always get to do the questions, but I don't never see Dave Mercer retiring unless, God forbid, something physical ailment kept you from working. It was the same as me. Like, if something happened... So physically, you couldn't yeah. see Dave Mercer require, retiring anytime soon because you've got the voice, you've got the energy, you got the love, but you do get burnout. Sometimes the travel, it ain't the fans, it ain't the job, it's what goes on around it. Yeah, and everything you miss. Like, it's it's that, I think, that is tough on it's, people. That's the biggest thing that you will ever know. And I had a guy ask me that one time, and I talk about it sometime when I, publicly, when I do public motivation speaking. I had a guy one time, you fall Alabama, and he just walks up out of nowhere and he goes, man, I need you to tell, you know, he's talking about, he said, you guys are always on TV. He said, he said, I bet you got some stories about the ones you missed in your career. Don't you? And I'm like, I sit there thinking about pumping gas and I'm dead looking at him. And when he walked off, I'm like, son, I could write a book on what I missed. It ain't the fish. You know, yeah. it's my daughter's junior prom. I missed mother's day, 11 years running. You know, I've missed birthdays. I missed graduations. I, I wasn't home when my brother died. See, that's what I missed. People think yeah. it's not the one that jumped off at the classic and it cost you winning in Pittsburgh, or was it this, or was it the time when you got your century belt? That ain't what I missed. Yeah. You know? 
I miss prom. I miss birthdays. I miss my wife's birthday. So like, that's what tugs on everybody at that level. Like I so admire the rookies that doesn't have so much on their plate. Like I watch them. I'm like, God, I'm envious of that guy. I'm like so low key envious because they're just fishing. The love is so bright. They just all in into it. But once you get established, you have a family and you're traveling, you miss stuff, dude, it hurts. Like you can't make it up. Yeah. Like, I can't come back home and make that up for my daughter. I can still remember fishing Smith Mountain, Virginia. It was her senior prom. I got eliminated. I drove from the time the weigh-in was over. I actually come in a little bit early left, and I made it home by 2 o'clock in the morning because that was her curfew for the prom, and I wanted her friends to spend it out there. So, like, I drove so tired I couldn't hardly hold my head up because I was tired of missing stuff. Yeah. You know? So it's a lot like you. You know, your wife's calling you, going, you ain't going to believe what your daughter did or what your daughter did. And like, yeah. Uh, you know? I think that's the toughest part of fishing. It's not the rough water. To me, it's not the physical aspect. Uh, it's not the pressure that we put on ourselves. It's what you miss. And at a certain age, you see your parents aging. You see yeah. people around you aging. And then you're like, you're sitting there. And I remember Kid Rock had a song one time. He, he made some type of cliche line about, he said, you know, he said he meets people and he said they wish that they had my job and I wish I had theirs. Yeah. But sometimes you just, when your wife cooks up or sits on the table and it's your daughter, there's like, it's a different feeling. So that to me, when people see me like maybe having a bad day or something or not just smiling and cutting jokes, it ain't got nothing to do with that. It's just in the back of my mind, I know where my heart is. You yeah. Know, so like, that's the tough part about fishing. That's the great thing about being a rookie. And you saying that not that they don't have, they don't make money because hell, a lot of our rookies make really good money. Oh yeah. They have obligations, but their life, the ages of their parents and their grandparents like they're not, they're not at that age where every time you come home, you hear about someone that you love passing away or one of your friends. So they're at that good part of their life. And you see that and I watch them fish and I admire it. Like, I don't, I don't hate on them. <laughs> I just admire it. I'm like, get them killer, get them. Yeah. So it's a, and I don't want anyone to get us wrong in this conversation because both of us love everything that we do, but there <laughs> is that whole, like you don't get that time back and, and, there's a weird, you know, and and the only word I can come up with for it, there's part of me, and I feel very much this way, there's a selfishness in all of us. There had to be at some, and it sounds horrible, but there had to be, because the easy guaranteed route was to stay now, home. You have to 100%, when Dave Mercer's career was kicking off and you was filming and everything, Dave Mercer had to be somewhat selfish to get to the platform where you're at now to provide for the people who you love dearly, who you regret being away from. Yeah. It's the weirdest oxymoron in the world. It's like, I love to provide for my wife and my grandchildren to be able to do something for my parents. And God has blessed me more than I deserve. But I look back and think, Oh God, I was, I had to like early on in my career, dude, I had to go all in like, and it's still sometimes I find myself being selfish because when I get to a tournament, all I can think about is, is being successful. Yeah. Or it really is hard. It's no different than you getting up. Your clock said it at 4:30 every morning, just like mine. But you're not doing rods. You're you're in there studying who the rookies are, uh, where the speakers are, where you're going to be set up at, how you're going to announce them. You're in the same mindset rat race that we are, you know. But it in the back of your mind, you're like, I wonder what my daughter's doing today. <laughs> so, so yeah, you know, but it's it's not fishing only. 
That's bull riders. That's NASCAR drivers. That's baseball players. That's everybody with a type A personality, self-employed and extremely driven in the back of their mind and hearts. They have some regrets because they, they had, they had to do some things that they wasn't crazy about as far as missing things and, and, and not being there when you knew your family needed you or someone else needed you because it was your job. Yeah. And I think it's our generation, Mercer. I mean, like, my dad, I didn't ever know my dad to miss work. Hell, my dad, I think you could cut my dad's arm off. He didn't yeah. I literally, literally think you could have cut his arm off. So I think our generation is work. It's like family. It's your spirituality. It's God, your family, and then work. That's it. That's all you know. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> it, it the, the drive to be successful, though, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's that's also your respect to your family. You know what I mean? Like Takumi said that to me once about like, I was having a conversation with him at the boat one day and I'm like, how do you, cause Takumi dude, that dude leaves home for months, you know, like he's home twice a year, basically. And you see how hard he works. Like there isn't a day, you know, he doesn't make a cut. He's on the water and the off limits are somewhere. Do, you, you know what I mean? With a writer shooting doing. And I asked Takumi, I'm like, how are you able to work as hard as you, you and he's like everything i leave at home if i don't work as hard as i can i'm not showing respect to that and and i thought you know that is one of the most simple ways of looking at it but it is the truth if you ask me that's maybe that's what because i mean i watch you behind stage you you never have any time off like you're <laughs> blast off literally dude you're blasting off then you're doing live and you get back off, like so. Like it's the same thing. Is is Mercer that driven that you in your heart you know that you've left home, and I want to make the best of this time for my family. If I'm going to be away from home, and that's kind of my approach. Like if I go to a writers' conference, it's my damn ultimate goal, Dave. That nobody there will outwork me. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care how tired I am. I don't care. But if I go to a writers' conference and there's ten other anglers there. I want to outwork you like just to prove to you I can. But if I'm going to be away from home and I'm going to be here, not in my environment, let's make the best of it. I don't want to sit around on the shade tree and eat ice cream. No, let's go do something. I, I totally agree with your theory. And, and I think, and I think the, it ultimately also goes back to dude. Yeah. Do I get much time off? No. Do you get much time off? No, but we both have something that like, dude, we're doing something we love. You know what I mean? Like There's the real people I can do in this world, Dave, that I would love anymore or be as financially stable as I am. There's nothing. Yeah. And I only fans page. You can only sell so many pictures. <laughs> of butt hole, and then you go broke. I mean, I don't know what else to tell y'all. Like, there's nothing else. I, can I think do. it all depends on the butthole, to be honest. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess if you change the ringtone and the color and bleached it, you might, but I'm just saying, I look at myself and go, I don't, there's nothing else I can do Yeah, where I'm at in life. And I think at the end of the day, because people will say like, what are your goals? We, we talk about this and you and I talk about it because it, it's, it's how the sport like, Hey, what are your goals? Blah, blah, blah. You know, if you really sit me down and said, write down on a piece of paper, what is your goals every season? It's so simple, Dave. I want to make my parents proud. And I want to make my wife proud. I don't give a shit about the rest of them trophies. I don't. And everybody take that wrong. You can be mad all you want to. And you can say that, well, he just because he ain't won an elite. I've won a lot of other stuff, bro. 
want a lot of other stuff. So you take that and just ease on up out the pitcher, stay in your lane. Because when you got two of them AOIs, you can holler back at your boy, but you ain't. But at the end of the day, I want my family to be proud of me. I want my wife to be proud of me. That's what drives me to work like that. So it's as simple as like when people say, what's your goal this year? Of course, everybody says AOI, and it is, and it's all this. But now when I lay down at night, I want my wife to lay beside me and say, my husband gives 158% for me and his grandchildren and his family. That's it. My daddy, he told me one time, he said, I don't have a credit card to give you, but I'll tell you what I give you, son. I give you a last name. And he said, when you leave and you bring it back, damn sure make me proud. Don't embarrass me. So think about it. I want all the high school kids and all the college kids out there. If you don't have a $70,000 Phoenix or a $60,000 jacked up truck or whatever it is, remember, your parents have given you the most valuable thing they'll ever give you, a last name. Make them proud. It doesn't, the rest of that doesn't equate to your success. I know some great anglers, dude, that come from dirt poor that figured out a way to say, I've got so much pride in who I am. I'm going to outwork you. I'm going to achieve more. Is the game of fishing changing? Dave will tell you, yes, it is changing. There's there's, there's a generation of, of Randy Blockett live scopers that he'll have a heart attack. But yeah, it, it, hey, but I agreed to play in the game. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not yeah. mad at it. But I think you have to you have to leave home and say what the main thing I have is my reputation and my my parents' name. And if you'll fish every day to make that name better and make your parents proud of you, you'll see things will start happening. But I think so so many people like when they ask me that, I, I just want to look at it, but I'm like, I don't want to say that because they're gonna think I'm crazy as hell. But that's really what I want. I want to be a good dude. I want to be remembered if I get killed tomorrow in a car wreck. I want them to say, you know, he tried to do the right thing. Did he have a temper? Yep. Was he outspoken? Yep. Did he have a big heart? You damn right. He tried to do what was right. He knew right from wrong. I, I know I got, I'm working on a shirt right now for my clothing line. It says, I love Jesus, but when I go fishing, I cuss a little. That'll be out in two weeks. You know what I mean? And Dave Mercer will have one. I will mail it to him. Because, you know what I mean? Like we know right from wrong, you do. And you have days where Dave Mercer's probably not the Dave Mercer people see on TV. You probably stood in the airport and thinking this lady's asking one more time, what's on that Chick-fil-A menu? I'm gonna punch her in the neck. <laughs> I'm leaning over shoulder going, chicken. chicken. You can get a chicken biscuit or chicken, but you got any that. burgers? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone has an off day. Doesn't mean you don't you don't love everything about it. Yeah, love my sponsors. Like I, when I look at my sponsor list, I I can go all the way down the list, and I was like, they're like family to me. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll call Mike, Baker, which is over my Sunline deal in Echo, and we may talk for four. We don't we don't talk every week, but once or twice a year we will talk, and it may be an hour conversation, and it's about family. It, it's about when that conversation's over, it had nothing to do with, hey, can I get a raise or what can I get from someone? No, but I know when I hang that phone up, me and Mike Voucher are buddies. Yeah. I call Ricky down there at 13 and I hang up the phone with Ben at 13 Marketing. Like, I know that that's my boys. So, like, my sponsors, I look back and I was like, maybe that's, that's what it's all about. Working for people you love, hell, make them proud. Yeah. My, and your comment about, screw the trophies this is what matters if somebody doesn't believe that all you gotta do is reverse the result take the trophies home 
but Lulu is not proud of you. Your parents aren't proud. Dude, you would, those trophies that seemed so valuable for so long it would be the vein of your, you wouldn't even want to look at those trophies. No. And I think that's what people don't, I think as competitors, we have to set our sights high, but I think in your heart, you have to know who you are and why you're here, you know? And I told you this when, when I, I, I can still hear your voice when I want my second AOY, because you said, you made a comment, you said you're in a legend status. And I said, Dave, I'm not a legend in my eyes. And I, I remember this day, I said, if I go home and I lose everything I got, I'm still going to be fishing the Tuesday nighters. Like, and that's what I do. It ain't about the trophy. It's about, I love this sport, the fishing. And I love what I do. And I want to respect it. And I want my wife and family to be proud of me to say, I want my mom and dad to say, we raised a really hardworking son who came from barely graduating high school. I call it quituating. I barely got out of there alive. Quituating. You know, to say this, this guy carved his own road, not knowing where he was going to be. He didn't have a marketing degree. He didn't have an agent. Dude, I made so many mistakes, but I studied the game so much from watching watching TV. I can remember watching TV on ESPN and I would watch Michael Jordan interviews over and over and over again. I would watch Scotty Pippen. I would watch Peyton Manning. I was like, so I was like soaking all this in because I didn't have college at my fingertips, but I was like, I'm going to make you proud. If you'll just give me time, I'm going to make you proud. And looking back on it, I'm more proud that now when I get at this part of my career, that maybe, maybe not those AOIs and those trophies lined up out there, but maybe that if my mother and daddy needed something or my wife's mother and daddy needed something or somebody at the church needed something that I've been blessed enough to know what they, but if I want to help them, I can. Yeah. That's what I'm proud of. That's what I'm proud of because at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, and I, I want all anglers to hear this, don't burn down your life and your reputation for one day of fishing. Don't. Don't ever think you got to do something shady or get in a gray area because the pressure's on you to perform. You put that pressure on yourself. You do. So don't. Just don't do it. And, we, and you and I are seeing it. We're seeing the fishing in the fishing world. Have you ever seen so much animosity? And I, and, and we had a tournament day a couple, two weeks ago here on Smith Lake. They had a five or $7,000 purse. A guy won it that had been questioned a lot. I don't know this guy. Yeah. That he had already been told he couldn't fish certain tournaments. So what I mean, like, it's like, it was out there. There was, there was a lot of stink around. And my grandpa told me, if you step in dog crap long enough, everybody around you is going to smell like it. It means you're in dog crap. So like there was enough dog crap that somebody figured it out, but he only fishes at night and he never takes that. He only fishes tournaments that never take a polygraph. Hmm. He won. He won big. Well, they polygraphed him. It's a church tournament, Dave. So the church polygraphed him at the church, and he failed. And wow. I, I'm, I'm looking around at everybody, and I'm going, really? It means that much? It means that much. So, like, and we see it, in, we're seeing it on, 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 on the bass side. So I'm sorry, when I say this, like, when, when I talked about other video about the rules, I don't, I don't exclude bass. No. 
and I don't I don't pick on MLF because I tell you I got some boys over there that I love. I mean, I love me some Wesley Schrader. I love me some Scott Subs. James Watson is a dear friend of mine. I got some people over there, and I wouldn't want Chase to be upset with me by saying this, but I don't want to see MLF anything bad happen to him because that's my friends. That's people that I love. Like I don't want to see them harm. I want to see their league do them, and I want us to do the best we can do. I want Bass to be the best BASS we can be. And if yeah. I'm part of that, I want to be a part of that. But if Chase come to me and said, hey, you're just not a part of our winning equation, you just need to know that, then I'm going to work harder to try to get on that winning team. I want I want fishing in general to, to be successful, but we're seeing a lot of shady stuff, dude. A lot it, of shady stuff. It's – and honestly, that when you start before you even brought that up, that was like my next question because you've been in this sport for a long time. I mean, is it getting is the gray getting a lot? I mean, the gray used to be a little tiny thin line. Is the is the gray like a big thick marker at this point and growing by the day? Yes, it it sure feels that way. Um, I think people are are so driven by and please. Y'all can send me bad emails, but send most of them to Dave Mercer because I'm not going to read them. But yeah, as long as they watch, I'll take it. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, college <laughs> and high school anglers, hear me on this. Next week's tournament su success is not going to make your career. Hear me on that. Next Saturday, if you win, and I don't give a damn how big the tournament is, it will not make your career because there's another tournament next Saturday and the next Saturday, we, we, what will damage your career is if you get caught in that tournament, that people don't forget it. They don't forget it. So I see anger sometimes and I think, is it, is it desperation or is it people just wanting to be successful in such a way that we're like, we'll do whatever. So, and I'll take, I'll, I'll put this on record. I don't, did you ever work under Dewey Kendrick early on in Bass? No, I didn't, but I, I do know Dewey. And I've met you know Dewey, and, I, and let me tell you something. When I fished under Dewey, I didn't feel the same about Dewey because he was strict, strict, strict. So, like, guys, I've seen people. So if you wonder why you hear me say something about the rules, you're like, that guy sounds – because here's what I don't understand, is if you talk about the rules, you're a whiner. Yeah. Am I or am I a reader? I got my glasses on because I read what was in bold about what not to do. Dewey was a rule freak. I seen guys in my career load their boat up on day three after an open without their life jacket on and Dewey Kendrick walked in there and send them home with no money. See, I, we're not the same. We're not the same. I was raised under a different. So people talk about Gen X. It was different when I come through fishing. Different. If you even put your life jacket on and didn't snap it, you were DQ'd. Yeah. So you wonder why some of the old hands, the Christies, or some of them guys might like looking back and going, ah, that's a rule. You know, I, I'm I'm gonna question that. It's because that's how we were raised up. So I went from Dewey Kendrick and Dewey, I love you, bro. Because you know what you taught me? You taught me to respect the shield that's right here on the side of that, that jersey I wear every day. It says bass. You know why? You said if you're gonna fish this, you're gonna respect that shield and you're gonna take care of our league. Now, did it seem unfair at times and it did seem unreasonable? Yeah, but so does some of the stuff my dad did to me. You know, he wouldn't let me quit on a baseball team that they never let me play because he said swindles aren't quitters. I never got to go in, never even played. I sit on the bench. But my dad has such a point. He said, you're not going to quit at any cost. You're going to sit there. Dewey was kind of that guy, like, you're going to get the message. And then we rolled right into Trip. Trip was the greatest tournament director I think has ever been in bass fishing. 
in the history of the sport because of his ability to stay level-headed. Yep. He gains your respect without yelling at you. Do you believe that? Like, did you see that at trip? There's nope. never been a man that put more fear into me by just saying, like, like never he raised saying, Dave, <laughs> Dave, we got some house cleaning to do, Dave. And he pushed him glasses up. And I felt like my daddy, I'm like, he's been taking his belt off. And all five foot four of him and 121 pounds about to whip a shit out of me in front of everybody. But Trip had the ability to make the biggest egos in the world of bass fishing respect him. Yeah. And and he taught you right from wrong. So so sometimes when people say, well, maybe them guys are just two stickers for root. Hey, if I am, I apologize. But I was raised under Trip and Dewey beating it in your head. Like, if you have any question about a rule, don't break it. If it's a gray area, run from it. How how can there be such a thing as those guys are too sticklers for the rules? That's like saying, well, that dude, you know what he is? He's too honest. <laughs> hey, or- I, I agree, but and and like. I think in the world that we live in, because even the guy that failed the polygraph at the, at this church deal, there were still a few people that was like, well, the church is just out to get him. Mm, no, no, I don't think the preacher's preaching on that. Oh. So even, even, and I went out on a limb with, with trying to help the fans read the rules. And I think sometimes we probably should. I think a great podcast for you and I to do one time and I'm, I'm going to throw this out there for your for your people to hear. Maybe we should just sit down with the rules, Dave, and you and I go over four or five at a time on a podcast and get how you interpret it, how I interpret it. We'll have like Jockinson or BP on how we interpret it. And let the fan, because I honestly don't know if our fans, the, even the diehard Bass fans and MLF fans, I don't think they know the rules. No, no. Like, well, that's been clear over the last number of months, like some of the stuff that's happened. Because people will, will be like, what we see as a direct violation, people will take up for that guy and go, we are just whining. I'm like, I don't know if you call that whining. I think you're just looking at the rule going, well, there was, there was 99 guys that went by the rule, but one that didn't. So like, and you know, MLF has this whole deal going on right now on, on catching the same sight fish or whatever it is. I wasn't in that tournament because I know somebody called me out and they're like, why are you worried about that tournament out there at Toledo being? Because you wasn't in it. Well, it's in the same pamphlet of rules that I signed, <laughs> jackass. So I'm just letting you know it's what we have to go by. So I'm kind of familiar with those rules. So like I, I look at this stuff going on and I'm like, what are we, are we sending a positive message? That's the question I would pose to the readers, the listeners, the, whatever they are, are we sending a positive message to the next generation that the gray area is the best, best place to fish? Dude, you don't have to look far for somebody to say, if you aren't looking for the gray, then you aren't trying hard enough. Like that to me is what blows me away. Like the world, it's not just today's anglers. It's the community in general that has, like it's changed where social media has made people... I mean, when in the life, I mean, you were DQ'd. There was people yeah. that that was a, one of the most public DQings in the history of DQings, if that's even a word. <laughs> but there was people. I was at that trade show. I was at that classic. There was people talking in the aisles. Some of them agreed with it. Some of them disagreed with it. 
but nobody said you shouldn't have got it. You know what I mean? Like when the call was made, it hurt some people and you it hurt the most, obviously, but you accepted the penance. You know that's what I mean? The main thing that I talked to my nephew about when Trey was getting DQ'd last year, I said, yeah. you don't have to agree with Hank Weldon, but I'm telling you, you're going to respect him on publicly. I did not agree with Trent Weldon when he disqualified me, but I had so much respect for him. I was dang sure not going to disrespect him. Just because I just because I don't agree with you, don't mean I got to go in a public forum and talk trash about you right then. You know what I mean? Like it's a situation. So I think sometimes people think, well, I don't agree with that. You know what? But I signed a, I signed that pamphlet that said I would I would show professionalism to the organization. So it wasn't my call to, to to get up there and say this is a bull crap call in front of everybody. It doesn't matter. It's been made. So it was one thing I preached to my nephew when it happened. He called me. He's upset. He's in tears. I said, you will respect that organization, whether me or you either one agree with this. You hold your head up and you do what you got to do. I said, never, never, never point fingers. I said, even though you want to, don't point fingers. And guess what, Dave? He got a boat deal out of it. Why? Because he stayed around. They asked him to go on stage and he said, I made a mistake and it won't happen again and I'll be back. I was really proud of him, but there was a boat company in Michigan, a boat, a Phoenix boat leadership that said, Hey, we want to sponsor that young man. Wow. So lesson learned, what would it have done him to get publicly go out there on the internet and say, this was a bunch of bull crap. I ain't never coming back. He wouldn't have got that Phoenix deal. But see, here's the weird thing about the world today. How come I'm just hearing that story now? You know what I mean? And I'm sure that story's been told by him, by you, by somebody, but nobody grabs a hold of that story. You know what I mean? I had, I turned a bad thing and it actually ended up being a good thing for me. You know, there was some positive at the end of the day from it, but nobody wants to report that story. You know, everybody wants to gravitate. I mean, the, and I, there's a lot of craziness around it, but the submarine thing, the moment that people found out there was billionaires on there, it was like the world just was like, well, those idiots, why would they do? You, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it oh, seems like, like the world is angry. Yeah. And so uh, someone asked me one time, he said, reckon why Donald Trump won't shut up. I'm like, if I had that kind of money, I would never shut up. <laughs> he ain't bad at all. Let me, you know what I mean? He says what he says because he can. But they went down to the bottom of the ocean. They tried to go see the Titanic because they can. Yeah. Doesn't mean I got to agree with it. They say, why? Because they can. I mean, I, same reason I skip back handing her doc sometime just to show you because I can. Like it's what you want to do. So like the world is so crazy though. People will jump on the weirdest side. I think that there's a something in humans that just want to argue. Yeah, definitely so, now. Yeah. That won't just say, you know what? I just, I see the rules and I see what happened here or that's a gray area or you know what? I, you know, when I first seen the deal with the, the submarine going down, it didn't make any sense to me. Like I don't, I wouldn't have done it, but I don't, I don't have a billion dollars neither. Now, did the next way and we went to Dave Mercer would be lit. If I had a billion dollars, oh, you would be shooting Patron about even half a billion, <laughs> even half a billion. I think we could have a good time with. And Lisa would be mic'd up going, That was a horrible six fish brought <laughs> in or five fish. And I'd be like, weighing an eight pounds. She'd go, Lord, that sucks. Next guy, come on in here. Like, it would be the last, but like, money lets you do what you want to do. Yeah. 
It does. <laughs> it does, I guess. I, I just mean, like, it's just weird how everybody wants to. It's like people are seething for that to judge. You know what? I, like, you can literally post anything on social media today. I could be like, me and Swindle went to the Piggly Wiggly today, and somebody oh, would be like, you love Swindle more than you love Brandon Pollock. I can't believe it. It's like, Dude, I get it. I, I, we get it all the time. So, like, our and I've you've heard me say this twenty times. The swindle, the swindle motto is not everybody. Uh, people on social media hate Jesus. He ain't done nothing to nobody. Good so point. I ain't sure ain't gonna like me. And the bigger your page gets, the more negativity you're gonna get. And my wife hates it. Like, if I tiptoe into a controversial, like, I'm gonna say this. She, she's like, oh, I'm like, everybody's not always gonna agree with me. So on your on your famous rule video earlier this month, what freeze. was Lulu thinking when you hit post? Well, I sit on it a week, <laughs> and, and I'm going to tell you what really bothered me, Dave. What 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 was my final deciding factor is the way that it unfolded on stage with you. Yeah, that was weird. It, it was like, okay, bro, okay, you're going to tell your story, and then we're going to tell the rules. And got nothing against anybody, but like it, this is my organization as much as it's everybody's. I love what I'm doing. I mean, I I was willing to write a check for fifty thousand dollars in penalties just to come back. So when anybody else out of that hundred and four guys that we're fishing against right now, outside of Brandon Pollen, that can say that, y'all holler at your boy. That's how much I love coming back to bass. So there is a there is a sense of respect there that I love everything. I don't agree with everything sometimes. Now don't don't get me wrong. But I love the structure. I love the structure. I love what we what Bass brings to the table. Nothing against MLF. They bring a lot to the table too, but I love where I'm at. Yeah. You know? So some when I got ready to do that, she was like, just be careful. I sit on it a week. And I said, honey, I said, I just want to go over the rules so people know. You know, because what's being said ain't it, you know, it's clearly states that we can't leave tournament waters and come back in. And the only thing I would leave with that, and because there was people who said, dude, you just shouldn't have put your opinion in that. Well, let me tell you how that opinion affected me. At New York, when we first got our new Mercury's, the first couple of 254 strokes, we didn't know how to work on them. And I had one of the first ones, and it was making a classic. We were at St. Lawrence River. It's day two of the tournament. I need to catch, you know, 16, 18 pounds. I get a check. I slide right in the classic. It ain't a big deal. I run down the lake, got real rough. I caught two, three pounders in a two and three quarter. And one of my spark plug wires had backed off. I, I wasn't that familiar with that 254 stroke. I tried every way in the world to try to get it to run back right. And I couldn't. So I called. I said, hey, we're going to put it on a trailer. And you're going to bring it back to the service crew. And we're going to restart you if they get it fixed. So when I loaded my boat up, Dave, I left tournament waters and I had to take those three fish and remove them out of my line well and place them back in the lake. I went back to the ramp. They fixed it. I put my boat back in there and I only caught 13 pounds and I missed a classic by four points. So you wonder why I make the video, folks? There y'all go. Because I left tournament waters and I re-entered. I had to be restarted by a tournament director. And you had to remove the fish from your boat. So like I've been affected by it. So it, I was like, Maybe the fans, but it was weird that some people still said, well, we think it's cool. I think a lot of stuff's cool, but don't make it. I mean, I see people running, riding wheelies through Atlanta on crotch rockets and running 100 miles an hour. <laughs> one time. I'm like, That's kind of cool, but it's really illegal, okay? Yeah, and 
see, I'm I'm right there with you on some of that stuff because you have and dude, I think all of that is cool. I honestly think it makes an awesome YouTube video. It's cool, but A but YouTube that's video. not what Bass is. It's the exact same one in MLF. You had anglers, and you're still allowed to do this. And I've talked about it very vocally. When you were allowing anglers to jump in the water, follow their line down to the bottom of a stump, and if you've got a fish hooked up, get there and get up to the surface. And that makes a great YouTube clip. I get it. But if you're at the top level of a sport, it doesn't matter the sport. In my opinion, every decision has to be thought through more so than what affects the 100 anglers that are competing. And that's what Trip Weldon was the best at. Exactly. He could see, he could see the backlash coming. When it comes down to a, you're going to let an angler jump out on a private dock, mark no trespassing, and run around on it and throw behind it and catch one and then jump in the water and then bring it back. Yeah, it might have moved the needle just a little bit, but it also said no trespassing. So, like, I was watching that go down, and I'm like, I mean, I've, I've never said this publicly. I probably still shouldn't. But I was about four tournaments into my one year in MLF, and I looked at my wife and I said, their moral compass is broken, and I will leave. Because I argued, me and Aunt Defoe argued in a meeting that all polygraphs should be public, and I was told to my face that who fails the polygraph ain't none of your business. Wow. I think it is. And I would say the same to Chris Bowes or Lisa or Chase Anderson. I think if a guy pays his money and fishes in any organization and an angler fails a polygraph and the other anglers are not notified, that doesn't look good. No. It doesn't look good. And, of course, I, I was told that in, in different situations, we're not here to ruin someone's career. No, we're not. But, I, but that angler knew what he was doing when he'd done it. So why are we taking responsibility for what he done? But the problem you have with that is if you let that go and it's not addressed, you build false careers. Yeah. People are going to be pissed about that. But what about the old good old boys down there that didn't do anything wrong that fell out that year and had to go requalify because maybe there were some guys fell a polygraph. Nobody said anything about, you know, I, if, I would love to see our sport, Dave, on the, just the bass side, really, really step up uh, the polygraph and the off limits. You know, I'm a big advocate of, and people are going to say, I suppose you want to get help. I'll get help. The two times I got help, it burnt the crap out of me. I got help one time and a guy showed up fishing the same spot I was in the tournament waiting on me to get there and I had to leave. So, like, I don't, I don't want to get there. <laughs> But I do think the 30-day off-limits at Bass for, is the most fair, like it's the most balanced playing field we've ever been on because you can get help all, all you want to up to those 30 days, okay? But during that 30 days, those one through 30 days, we're going to polygraph you to the to the ultra in that. And if you fail inside that square, we got a problem. Because the way we have it is supposed to be off-limits for when it's announced. Uh, so we're going to announce a schedule, what, at ICAST or September? Yeah. You're going to take a polygraph in July about what someone told you. So it's so hard to police. So other anglers are like, man, I like the fact that ain't nobody getting help. Oh, they getting help, bro. 
they getting help. I don't watch it in practice. So to, is there cheating at every level? 100%. You just seen a guy get caught out in the world championship poker on live camera. You've seen it. People will cheat at any level to get ahead. You just have to know it. So you simplify that, you, you box it off, you make it a firm perimeter, say inside this 30 days, you set those questions up. Gerald Swindle, did you in any way seek information to try to gain an advantage on your other competitors? No. Gerald Swindle, in this 30 days, did you think about, like you set those questions up where if that guy in that 30 days was dishonest to this organization, you will know it. But see, the problem we have was we've made so many rules in all organizations, we can't enforce them, Dave. You know how many gun laws is on the records in the U.S.? I think it's 2,300. 2,300. So we're going to make one more because that's going to stop the shooting next week, ain't it? Nope. You know why? Because the punishment ain't there. You can build a rule book as thick as Leanne's notebook is sitting here on this desk. It's not going to make anybody not be dishonest. It's the public humiliation or knowing that that polygraph's coming and it's going to be stiff. I think that's where I lean into the sport and I talk to the younger guys. And I'm like, trust me, I've been through every phase of this one year off limits, 10 year off limits, whatever you want, 30 day off limits. And inside that 30 days, you structure a polygraph that addresses what you did. And then, gets announced in public. And it gets announced. But what they say, well, that, because here's what I hear guys say, well, the guys with the biggest social followings are going to get the most help. I said, everybody has a social following on the elites. Have you looked? So what happens is the guys that get help, it gets diluted. So I had, I had Carl Jockinson said something to me the other day. I was riding my bike and he said, cause you know, Carl's a big MMA fight. He loves MMA fight. Carl oh, yeah. He said, when they changed the steroids, when they started testing for steroids, the championships and all the belts changed overnight. Almost right away. Yeah. Right. And it wasn't even, it was TRT. It was just legalizing TRT. It wasn't even full on steroids, just, just legalizing that for competition. And almost all the belts changed. All right. So Carl made a comment to me and I, and like, it, it's like, he, it's like it, when he said it, a light went off, he said, getting help in bass fishing on either league when no, when, when 80, say 98% of your competitors are not getting help, but 2% are, that's the equivalent of doing all the steroids you want to in MMA. Yeah. Your body heals quicker. You get stronger. You're invincible. He said, that's what I equate getting help to when no one is getting help. Now go back to the MMA. If everybody there could juice up before every fight, it doesn't really change nothing. Does it? Dan? No, because they all mean or hell. Then they just going to fight. <laughs> so like in the bass fishing world, when guys will realize that it, it's like, if everybody can get help, it dilutes the fact that you have this long off limits that everybody's not supposed to get help. But miraculously, when you watch people practice on lakes that they've never been to on the first day of practice, they run straight out, stop, put that Minn Kota over, back up a little bit, make one cast and then leave. Y'all tell me, am I crazy or is he just that good? He didn't even idle over it. That's called getting help. That's called getting help. I think it's, I think to a lot of people, we would want to think that we're the pure sport. That was one of the biggest things I took away from when I went to the ESPYs. 
and I was nominated. I didn't win. I got beat by a log roller, but I had a lot of pride being there because I thought, man, fishing's like the purest sport in the world. We don't do this. Yeah, I got beat by a damn log, log rollers. Yeah, a damn log roller got me. I went to pee and come back. And Lynn's like, well, we lost. I'm like, well, to who? She goes, some lady rolling the log. I'm like, well, let's go home. <laughs> <laughs> I, I looked at the sport of bass fishing and then I'm like, it's so pure. Like, there's so, like, there's a piece of me that still wants it to be pure. There's a piece of me now that says, in reality, we're never going to be pure again because there's money. Things are changing. People are aggressive. But how do we simplify? Like, how do we zero this in? The longer the off limits, the first thing you'll say on any league when I say we got a one year off limits is so hard to police. Then why do we have it? Why do we have it? Because once the dishonest guys know it's hard to police, it's it's a license to go forward. When I watch that guy in poker, and I call Kyle Welcher because I don't know nothing about poker. I call Kyle, hey, what about this dude mashing down on them cards with his finger now? And he goes, yeah, that's kind of sketchy. He did it on camera. So what we just seen at MLF, they did it on camera. Now think about that. You got that live camera. Think about if we had a BSS camera. We got a we got a Wes Miller back there zoomed in on you. <laughs> and you do something, you're like, hey, bro, you on camera. So you have to ask yourself, if people are willing to push it that far on camera, what are they willing to do when Dave or Bass or nobody's looking? It's just reality. It doesn't mean that they're like horrible people. It's just their competitive part of them. They want to get ahead of it. So I think if I could change one thing about fishing, it would be go back to 30-day off limits and a real stiff polygraph. And I think when there was anything in question, now we're just the men use just fantasy. Yeah, like yeah. Fantasy. This is just all, all everything is alleged on this podcast, and yeah, it yeah, is yeah, also yeah. fantasy. But I, I would love to see when there's something happened at a BASS that before the season started, we had say we had nine nine events. That out of those nine events, when the season was announced, there was five anglers put up right then uh, that was dedicated to that tournament. Say here, this is the tournament. You five guys will serve on the board at Seminole. And if anything happens at Seminole, Lisa, Chris, the tournament director sit down and they look at it and then they call you five in. And they say, what do you think the intent was? Because what the intent of the tournament angler might be different than the intent of the tournament director. A lot of anglers can look at that and say, mm, his intent wasn't good. So there's a big deal. There's a big issue between breaking a rule and then doing something like super malicious. Can, yeah. can Dave Mercer, Gerald Swindle, all of us accidentally run no way zone? You dang right. Let it be raining. I can't see as good. Got everything pulled down. Next thing you know, I go buy a buoy and I'm like, oh crap, I just run a no wake zone. Did did I do it to gain an advantage? If you had five anglers sitting down there and they said he ran, <clears throat> he ran past the no wake zone, it was pouring rain. He didn't see it. What do y'all think? I guarantee you all five of them say he didn't do it maliciously, no matter who it was. Yeah. Put that same scenario and say it was sunny and clear and he was coming back in and he was running a little bit late and he ran halfway through that no wake zone. What would you think his intent was? His intent was to gain the three minutes back that he lost coming in because he misfigured. So I would love to be able to see the anger input mixed with the tournament director's input. But like, you don't know who you are. Like there's five of you nominated for each tournament. Yeah. So if anything goes down, they call you in there, and you, your call is not the final call. You're just that that sideboard that says maybe I, I don't know. So because I look at fishing and I think I look at high school, I look at college. Dave, it's huge. 
Yeah. 500 boat high school tournaments. We got, I mean, Johnny Marsh give a million dollars away in a team tournament. So how, how do we look at that and say, are we doing the best for the next generation? So a lot of people are going to be like, well, Swindle's just an old pricks what he is. No, I'm thinking about my nephew or my grandson, the next generation coming up. How do we preserve the sport that Dave Mercer fell in love with to make him leave Canada, drop everything, come down here and be the MC? How do we preserve that, Dave? Like, what, what's our next step? I don't know. It's 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 a weird time in culture. because, And I don't know if it's social media or what it is, but it's like, because the high school thing, I mean, and it's not just fishing, it's every sport. I mean, you, you can go to any sideline and there's a parent trying to help their kid get an advantage over the other, some one way or another, you know, and it, it's human nature. I don't, and sometimes I'm like, well, that's that gun parents. You know what? I, I don't really blind. All parents want what's best for the kids. You just got to put a foreign guideline where he can't go by. There's nothing wrong with wanting what's best for your son or daughter. You just have to have a firm guideline. And to people put that, me, me and Carl and Daryl Gleason and guys talk a lot. I said, dude, I think a simplified rule book with a stricter punishment is how you clean it up. Because we have so many rules, we, we create gray areas. You know, and this is exactly what MLF's having to deal with right now. It's like, was he technically looking at the fish? <laughs> As one angler said, well, I turned my head. That was his excuse. I turned my head. And then you got anglers that are not even holding the rod or the line landing fish with no hook in her mouth. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on, you know, but I, I would say this, and I, I'll ask your opinion on this. Cause like nobody ever gets to, I, I want to start a podcast just so I can have Dave Mercer on my podcast, but no, you're welcome. <laughs> Started. I'll be on every week with you, but I'm like, what would you think about for bass? So let's say, how would we improve our league? What would you think, Dave, if during the live, we had an official, a BASS official that wore a striped shirt and he sit in the studio and he watched? Because, see, I don't think it's Ronnie Moore's place to call that guy out because he's a commentator. I don't think it's Davey's place to call that guy out, and I don't think it's Mark Zona. Even if they see it, I don't think it's Dave Mercer's place because you're the MC. I think we need an official just sitting there watching that live the whole time. And that's all he does is watch that live because it's not Wes Miller's business to call me out. He's supposed to run the camera, focus, get the great shot. Let's move on. It's not the camera guy's responsibility to know the rules. It's mine. But who checks that guy? Who checks the guys with the camera? Brandon Pollock did what legends are all about at Santee Cooper two years ago. It's never been talked about. Brandon Polinick caught a fish, boat flipped it, like about six pounds or some big one. But he wasn't 100% sure if it was hooked in the mouth. So there's a rule that nobody really realizes. If I'm sight fishing and I boat flip one and he comes off in the air, how many of our guys you think is going to put him in a live well? Most of them. But do you 100% know he was hooked in the mouth? And can your boat official verify? So what did Brandon Pollard do? This is why I love me some BP. He called Lisa. They watched the footage. They could not figure it out. So he threw the fish back. Carl Jacobson this year at, I don't remember, I think it was Santee, was fishing for a six-pounder. 
and he fished for it for a long time, Dave. And it's like he had, a, he was an hour into it. He picks up a big old swim bait with a top hook, and and uh, Carl barely missed a cut there, like the top ten cut. Throws it out there, lets the swim bait sink down. The fish goes under and just crushes it. Carl catches it, gets it in, and it's hooked like on the tip of the lip, just right there. And even his boat of his marshal said, "Dude, I think that's legal." And you know what Carl Jockman said? You know why I love me some Australia? He said, "In my heart, I know it's not right." And he put the damn six pounder back. That's wow. what. That's what I want in the sport. I want me some BPs. I want me some Carl Jockerson that know that I'm supposed to be leaving a footprint for the next generation. So, like, maybe, maybe us having a boat, maybe us having an official at Bass that just watches the footage. I, I mean, I think it would be cool for the broadcast. I mean, I love when the they, NFL brings in whatever his name is, and he's just like, "Well, no, that was." What you're seeing here is let's slow it down. You know, he it was a clean tackle or whatever the call Wouldn't it be is. Great for the fans. Well, if there's anything in controversy, the, the the official could come on and say, "Well, it's, it's Rule Seven, Part Four. It says that the fish was not verified coming over the gunnel, so Brandon Pollock did the right thing." It's a great point, and it also shows that we're going to police each other at the highest level. But somebody said, "Well, they got a camera guy there with them. That camera guy, that's not his. You're business. shooting. He's you're, shooting." You're also like, there's so many things going through your mind when you're shooting. It's like all the underwater footage I shoot, dude. I'm just trying to keep the fish in. There's stuff that happens. There could be a submarine coming over your head. You wouldn't know it. Well, that's some horrible timing. <laughs> uh, uh, um, there is, there is, a, but you're 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 focusing on the shot. You're not focusing on those little minute details. That's not your job, and that and I do agree with you. But I think that all of it, whether it's a smaller rule book, what whatever it is, it the number one thing that fixes it is publicizing the results, not just the negative results, because that story you told about. BP needs to be told. That story you told about Carl needs to be told. There's countless that's stories it. like that every single day. But that's we don't what, that's hear what about high school kids need to see. Yeah. See a guy that when no one's looking, he did the right thing. When no one was looking, he's like, you know what? In my heart, I know what's wrong. I'm going to put it back. We want more of that. Now, will the world ever be the perfect place that we dream it to be? No. There's always going to be somebody that pushes the gray area. There's always going to be somebody that figures out a way – of course, people are. I, I've had people ask me, like in the dentist office, that guy asked, he's like, You think people really could cheat in a bass tournament? How could they cheat in a bass tournament? I'm like, bro, I could write a book on how they could do it. Snapchat. Uh, I, I posed an idea to somebody the other day. He's like, Man, I just don't know how they. I said, Let me tell you something. If you have two or three guys working together that fish different leagues and different places at the same time, I said, You do realize you can share your location. So if Dave Mercer and I were crooked and Dave Mercer wanted to go to St. Lawrence River and fish and film for a week, and he said, hey, gee, I'm going to share my location on my iPhone with you for seven days. Watch where I go. <laughs> Watch where I go. <laughs> I said, dude, the, we're in a different we're, we're in a different electronic time in the world. Snapchat, is it public? That's one of them gray areas. But you can take a picture of your screen and say, look at these big ones on the screen and Snapchat and send it out to four friends. Well, only one of them is fishing the tournament in three weeks. The way things can go south now, so like, I don't know if you could ever police that, but you have to be open-minded enough to know it could go on. But so, you... Go ahead. Sorry. I'm just saying, I think that's where the, the polygraph, the intent, and 
I think the biggest thing that I've noticed about fishing is there's nobody worried about getting caught most of the time. They're worried about being publicly embarrassed. Yeah. Which is, is wrong. It's you wrong. know what I mean? That's literally like, you know, it, it wasn't wrong for me to kick that player in the shins and take him out, but it is wrong for you to replay that and, and publicize. We've That's, seen that. We've seen that over and over again because there was other anglers in opens and other tournaments that got literally fighting mad because somebody made a video about what they done. Yeah. I'm like, well, you done it. <laughs> like, I, it, it didn't feel wrong then. So I don't know. I I, I think where we're going in the higher the the, the states uh, the, the the pay is and the sponsorship and the pressure. I think it's just good business to sit down and say, you know what, we're gonna we're going to we're going to show the bass is the leader in every direction, conservation, everything. Because I'm the weird guy that thinks sometimes, like, in the hot parts of the summer, I've and I've actually talked to Kay Donaldson about this and trying to figure out who to talk to in the state of Alabama. I think in there should be certain stipulations if you run tournaments that you have to have tournament equipment. Like, I think there should be a panel. Uh, yeah, no, that every state, province, country, that should Go buy be. That. Right, yeah. like, like, okay, so if you're going to have a tournament in June, July, August, and September, here's the here's the requirements. You have to have this many tanks, water temperature has to say this, and this is oxygen. I love fishing wildcatters, folks. There ain't nothing I like more than run down there on on Tuesday night. Hey, and I'll go straight redneck because I might not even wear a shirt. I'm just going fishing. I'm having a good time. But you know what breaks my heart? putting them back and watching them float around the ramp. Yeah. It breaks my heart. Cause I'm like, that's, that's what my grandson Bennett's going to be able to fish for. Or my granddaughter Kyle are like, that's what your kids are going to be able to fish for. So like a piece of you at certain age goes, okay, we got to figure out what's best for the resources and maybe a guideline for every tournament. Like if you're going to have a hunter boat tournament, here's what's required. And I think that's somewhere bass could shine. It's saying, yeah, you know, is. I don't think it's that big a deal. And you know what? I, of course, guys will say, man, that's going to kill tournament fishing. No, is it? Because if there's only one or two tournaments that are certified to have a tournament in June, everybody, and I say that like E-R-R-R, everybody going to fish that tournament because it's the only one you can fish. But guess and, what? They have the right equipment. And if the anglers hold the organizations to that, that the, the other problem is anglers will enter. I mean, they look at that sheet of paper and they start adding up those numbers, but never, ever do they focus on the catch and release until it goes bad. And, until it and, goes bad. and some of those smaller tournaments, then it shines bad on the top end of the tournaments. You know, So I do agree that, yeah, no, definitely um, a standard. That, that's the word I was looking be for. Set. Is there a standard for like for a certain level tournaments or is there a standard for the equipment that you, that you need? And I, I think sometimes, and this was, go, I'm going to, rewind a little bit because like the tournament that they have uh my tournament up here on gunner in october the the big bass deal with, with mark jones and keith they do a great job and yeah when we started having the big bass tour event here in my name they were worried one time there's like man you know we just worry about the crowd and i told them i said guys let me tell you something i said these are just old working country folks and when they build their trust in you and they believe in you they will show up trust me so they were really strict on their polygraphs all right, they caught people and they let it be known. And guess what? We're having record breaking numbers every year. You know why? 
because certain people migrate to that scene and go, you know what? They come polygraph you, boy, and if you fail, you done. They had the game and fish come arrest a couple of different events. But you know what? People that just want to go fishing with your son or your daughter, Dave, and you say, I just want to go fish a good, honest weekend tournament where I can fish for $50,000 for $300 or $400 entry fee, and I know that there's not a lot of gray area stuff going on, that's where you go. That's why they're having a 1,000 people register at Donaldson. That's why they're breaking records everywhere. There's a weird part of people who like strictness, even if it's tournament standards for how they weigh them in. You know, whether it's three fish, two fish, one fish, but it's what we have to do because we have more people fishing now, Dave, than we ever have. Yeah. They're all good. They're all good. They're catching more fish now. When I when I was 25, I didn't catch as many fish as I see these 25-year-olds catching. They're stroking them. So maybe that's where we're at. Maybe we find a standard. And I'm, I, I agree with you. It should be nationwide that in certain months of the year, you've got to really protect the resources. Yeah. Totally. Um, how do you change the, the want for all that though? Like when you look at all the different things we've talked about tonight, and this has been this best thing about doing a podcast with you, dude, I'd have no, no idea what direction it's going to go. Sometimes it's pure hilarity. Sometimes it's an airing of the grievances, which tonight may have been, <laughs> but that, that all that keeps going through my mind when you're saying a lot of this stuff is all the times that I've read people saying, well, if you're not looking for the gray, you're not trying hard enough. Like how, how do you change that? Because when someone gets in that gray and steps off in that chocolate mud, you make it public. And when you have guys like Brandon Pollock and Carl Jockerson and so many other anglers, the, the Gussies and all that, that show the mo utmost integrity in the sport, you highlight that guy. Yeah. You put him over here and say, this is what we're looking for. Don't go quiet. Don't go quiet. When you need to, when you need to be speaking up and say, this is behavior unbecoming to what we think is a professional. You know, we're not mad at the guy, still love him, but we're not going to put up with that type of behavior. So, so he got, he got a penalty. Yeah. And you highlight the guys that are doing it right. You look at the Jason Christie's and the guys, it's like, you know what? My life has been this shield and I'm going to respect it. Cause what you're doing is you're going to start a generation of high schoolers and early on college guys that said, that's the sport I want to go into. And it's going to make it easier for Chase, easier for Lisa, uh, Chris, the whole guys, because they're going to come in with an idea. No one, and it may not ever go back to that. I, I just may be in a fantasy world because I come up under Trip and Dewey and they just beat it in your head, like literally like, kind of like my dad. I mean, my dad was just like, it's the worst thing you could do is is do wrong. You know, and and I I see it getting out of hand. Like, it's just like I'm watching the poker and I'm watching this church tournament. I'm like, good God, is everybody going crazy over fishing? I mean, we're going to have a tournament next week. We're going to have a tournament next week and the next week and the next week. So I'm like, why do it? Why risk everything just for this one deal? How, how much do you think social media has to do with it? When everything. you think of it's because it's, it's people don't want to win the tro tournament because of the trophy. They want the, want the, the pictures, the likes, the thumbs up. They want yeah. this, you know? They want to say, I got, I got 1600 likes because I won that tournament. Let me tell you something. Them folks liking that photo ain't going to who judge you when you get to pearly gates. I got news for everybody. 
You can get all the likes on Instagram, Facebook you want, but that ain't who you're going to answer to when you're dead and gone. I can promise you that. Where you going, they ain't a thumbs up or thumbs down. You got to answer one way or another. Were you a good guy or were you a bad guy? You know, and I think, but the world, that's the way we feel accepted. That's the way the world's taught uh, my granddaughter and even my daughter, people to be accepted. You know, it's a, it's the same thing as women that's like, worry about what they weigh because they see all this stuff on social media where it's only models. You know, where's the normal people at? Where's the dad bods at? You know, where's the guy that has to swim in his sun shirt because I, I feel a little bloated, you know, like that's not the cool thing. I don't get the likes. The likes gets the dude with the six pack, you know, the Jeff Creeks out there on the boat. That's what gets the likes. And so like, I think social media has changed our younger generation thing that all I'm, all I'm fishing for today is a thumbs up. And that's one of the things I've like, like literally I like, get on my soapbox when I'm doing motivational is do not fish for Instagram. Do not fish for Facebook. Don't, I'm not saying don't post, show your life, show what you love, but don't just get your rod and reel and say, I'm going to go out here and hunt and fish for a couple hours of seeding just for Instagram. But see that that's the wrong deal. You got to fish because you love it. You got to fish. I only worry about the kids coming up that are fishing when no one's looking. You yeah. watch kids. You watch them kids that ain't running no GoPro. They ain't building no, they probably should be building a YouTube channel. They ain't studied none of that. They studied on how to catch them better. So don't let the likes or the dislikes control that. But I do think social media lets people build a false, I, I, you know, I see people do it on family photos because I'd be knowing their family and they just a mess. They just a hot mess. You know, they fighting. 14 warrants, got leg bracelets on for being in the pen, and they'd be posting an Easter picture. Everybody's smiling. I'm like, how crazy. <laughs> I probably stabbed one of that. That's over. So, but Facebook and Instagram lets you do that. Yeah. And people don't see it. So maybe, maybe we should focus. Maybe, maybe the organizations or maybe guys like maybe, maybe, maybe me and you should like, like, you know what? We're going to research the good stuff that happens that nobody knows. And we're going to share that more. Maybe that lies more on me. Maybe I should have told the story about Carl Jacobson a long time ago. Cause you know, guess what? Y'all never heard Carl Jacobson tell the story. Did you? It's a different story coming from Carl. Right. He He's not going to say it because he, ain't yeah. doing it because he wants a pat on the back. He did it because he knows it was what's right. You know? So like, maybe that's, maybe that's our call. And maybe we seek out after every tournament and say, tell us something good that a guy did this tournament. Like, let's find a guy that we can brag on that did the right thing. Yeah. That's not very popular anymore. No, I mean, it it doesn't, people want, and that's what I think the, the biggest, I think that social media has brought a lot of positive in many different ways. There's many, many different things that have changed in the world and, and situations have been changed because of social media, the power of social media. But the biggest negative it has brought to the world is that, you know, that 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 want or that thirst to hate, like literally the easiest podcast. I mean, like they tap, just, with, they tap it with double fingers as soon as you post. Like, <laughs> you, you, you hold that fish so far away. I had a guy post one other day. Thanks for breaking that fish's jaw. <laughs> I just. Oh, Dave, when I retire, you know what I want to do when I retire? I'm going to answer back from the heart and I'm going to type back. I bought a license that says I could have ate him. So you don't <laughs> worry about his jowl. I could have knocked the sides off of it. Now, quit. 
And that, that's what I worry about. Some organizations, everybody worries about the negative. You know, I've heard people say, well, we don't know if we need to make a stand on that for the backlash. What about the backlash of the good guys? You know, what about the guys that's like, hey, hey, they don't ever see that backlash because most of them just do that in quiet and just exit. So, like, the negativity, the ability to write something ugly and get away with it, that's where we're at. Yeah. How do we change it? Maybe we highlight the good guys. I don't know. I'd like for your fans to tell us that. Like, maybe maybe yeah. you'll get some comments on this video and go, you know what, guys, maybe you have a point. Maybe you guys are just crazy as hell we don't know but we see a lot of stuff dave you do too you're the best in the world about never saying nothing you see a lot of stuff i, I some people think i should be better at not saying anything <laughs> yeah, at times. How, about, how about the first thing i'm gonna do when i retire is i'm gonna write two books and i've told you that the first one's gonna be a whole lot of want to the second one's gonna be called egos logos and psychos I'll be there to buy it. <laughs> yeah. You'll be my highlight caption because you've been that guy. And, and, I, and I'm going to leave you this because I, I know I, I, cause I got my salad over waiting. But you've been like the highlight in every one of my YouTube videos because Shannon always puts the weigh-ins in there. And we were at the Classic or something. And it's, we were talking. And I think part of it got cut out. But I will tell, I will tell everybody listening tonight that that's – listen to Mercer's podcast Dave was that guy that when I came back he said what he had to say we laughed about it we hugged we moved on and he said I know you'd be back and he hugged my neck and he's like I love you bro let's move on you know what I mean like he accepted me I made a mistake and I came back he never held a grudge it's like business as usual you get on stage let's do this so I have like that respect for Dave like what he does so y'all gonna hear me sometimes brag on him because I seen that where he had no hard feelings. Like it was like, Hey bro, they don't know me. I knew you'd be back. Kind of laughed at me. We moved on. I like that point that, that he can just wash it off and say, here's the deal. And you, you, you show the guys that like on stage, you give everybody a chance to be who they are. You set some people up like with softball pitches and some days I miss them. I mean, you set me up for some great stuff sometime for my own clothing line and what I'm doing. And I'll be so frustrated that I didn't catch them or something bad. And when I walk off stage, I'll be like, dang, dang, dang. He set me up perfect. But we were so selfish that all I was worried about was Isaac Murray and I didn't have 14 pounds and I'm not going to be in the money, you know? So if you're one of the hundred and other three anglers listening, just watch old Dave because sometimes he's setting you up to try to drive you down away, but he's not going to, he's not going to steer you that direction. He's going to let you run with it. But I think as anglers, Dave, it's hard for us to turn it off. You see it over and over. A guy just freezes up on the mic because it's not that he don't want to say nothing. He's so frustrated or aggravated or he is sinking in on him that like, hey, this was my, if I didn't catch him today, there's no way I'm going to make the classic. So that burden and how that cloud feels over you is just, God, sometimes it's overwhelming because you're just like, you're trying to let it all soak in. You're like, all right, I got to rally up. Got to rally up. Well, Dude, I don't think anybody should ever judge anyone for what they do for work. You know what I mean? Like decisions like that. And I don't, dude, I, I mean, I, I don't know why anybody would be any different, but to me, yeah. Did it suck when you left? Freaking right, dude. Like I cried after that way. And I remember I went back and I was like, damn, that's the last time 
like there was you, and I'm not even getting a list. But there's special like people I, that you like. When I, I gave a hug as you left. Yep, I was crying when I walked off that stage. I was like, it hit me. So like, but when I come back, I had those same tears of joy. Like, but Dave was standing there with the same smile, going as business as usual, boys. Let's go. Let's get it on. This is what we do, and I respect that. I I think that that's what uh, some of those younger anglers have. I wish more of them would come just sit down and talk to you and say, Hey Dave, I'm coming on stage and I don't really know what to say. And, and this ain't for all the listeners, but if you're one of the elite guys or, or, you know, even the open guys go talk to Hank, tell him, you know, like, Hey, I'm not great on stage, but these are things set that guy up. Let him know. Dave yeah. Mercer knows everything about every, I only have one statistic in my career that Dave Mercer don't know. And I ain't no one telling what the FLW event you won. Ah, How'd you study that up? I did. Do you really think I didn't know about that? I just told him, I said, I think I have one statistic he don't know. (laughs) (laughs) No, I know about that. (laughs) This guy studies who you are. So, but if you feel like an opens guy, and that's the big deal, because if you're in the opens and you're trying to get to the elites, go talk to Hank Weldon. Tell him, say, hey, Hank, I'm not great on stage, man. This is the, you know, I'm sponsored by this. Give him something to work with. Yeah. something to remember you by where he can trigger you into going the route you need to go. And then it will automatically get easier and easier because everybody don't start out fluent on stage. They will tell you like, it's, you get better at it. You groom yourself, you groom yourself, but it also does great. Just to, and, and Dave won't mind. Hank Weldon won't mind. Just give him a heads up. This is something that like, it gives them something to work off of because if you don't say nothing, they don't know what to do. Yeah. And be real. Just like, honestly, that's the best, like it is not, not worked for anybody. Like there's, it's never failed. Like you literally look the moment an angler starts being real Seth fighter fish, the elite series for almost two years. Nobody knew who the heck he was. As soon as he thought, yeah. And as soon as he thought he was basically done, so I might as well have some fun. He started being himself and he hasn't not, not caught him since like, train left the building. Takumi Ito, all of the, they're real. You know what I mean? And it's, it's a lot easier to be real. And, um, but I don't really want to piss off Lulu because if she's made you a salad there and it's waiting for you. So we're trying to get slammed down. When I come back from fishing, it's like St. Clair. I told her, I said, I just remember how rough it was. So like this morning I rode an extra (laughs) 50 minutes on a mountain bike. I climbed the same two big hills seven times. Like, I, I remember how physically tough that is on your body. And I'm like, I've been training, but I've not been training hard enough. Just up there riding around for four days and fishing some, I'm like, okay, this Northern swing can be brutal. On. So it's been tuna. Like I'm all tuna fish salads. Like I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get my fighting way. I got, I dug myself a hole, Dave. I got to dig out. I ain't saying I can't make the classic. I got to bring it. Well, and on the fitness, I mean, you hang with Carl and Brad and <laughs> good. Those guys I'm like, good <laughs> what are you doing for fun, Brandon? I climbed a mountain today. <laughs> Carl, what do you, I see Carl, like I'm doing my tackle. I'm sweating. I look up and Carl, he's got his headphones on those right arm shoes. And he just takes off in this Australian rage running down a county road. And like an hour later, he comes back and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's pretty good right there. It's pretty good. <laughs> Little trot, <laughs> a little trot. It's going on a little jog, mate. You know, uh, I think in our world, you have to look at the, the elements of the northern swing and realize you've got to be in shape the best you can because it's 
those are rough rides, man. I was riding St. Clair the last day I was there, and I rode just from the bottom of the Detroit River. Wind was blowing really bad, so I was down by Detroit, and I ran the, the Canadian side back around by the Indian Reservation all the way back back Anchor Bay. It's an hour and 10 minutes. It was so rough. Yeah. And I had my camera guy, Shannon Wheeler, when he got in the truck, he said, my brain stem is jiggling. <laughs> I said, and that's why it's important that I try to eat right and go back home and train because this is a physically demanding tournament. That rough water out there is a different animal. It is. It is. Well, so is MCing. So I'm trying to drop some, like, let's, I, I got to go hit a treadmill. My uncle's got it down pat, man. There's something about that rock he smokes. He don't never gain weight. Now, he don't look good in family photos, but he is thin. <laughs> I'll tell you what, he can paint like you ain't never seen for so many hours a day. But after that, whoo. So, yeah. If I'm doing that, I'm doing it on cheeseburgers by the looks of things. So. <laughs> well, Hey, thanks again for having me on. I know uh, I moved it back an hour tonight on you because I was trying to get out on the lake and, and check some stuff out for a friend tomorrow. So I appreciate that. But no, no, you do. Fans, listen to this podcast. Thanks for having my silly ass on again and again because are you kidding? No direction. We just go with it. I love having you on here, dude. And I swear to you, like if you go back to the beginning, we started with you've been to Jamaica, <laughs> back to Alabama, to Detroit, back to Alabama. We just started on Jamaica and never made it there. No, we never got anywhere. I never even told you about that long trip home or that woman cussing me out on the sailboat for being on the wrong side of the channel at St. Clair. I'm watching this woman and she's coming in the marina on the green side of the channel and I'm on top of the channel fishing. She goes, you're not supposed to block the navigatable waterway. <laughs> I said, I'm up. I don't want to said, okay, don't hear it, but you're on the wrong side there, heifer. <laughs> And I'm on the flat, so I don't know what they sell in sailboats, but apparently it ain't an, it's not a hummingbird like Master Chip because she had no idea where she was at. She was just about, and Shannon's got his camera, he goes, dude, she's fixing to hit you in that sailboat. I'm like, that's just welcome to a day in my world. And then the last morning I got up, there was a woman tweaking in the yard out by this house, and she was walking in a figure eight, slapping her own head. So I went and told Shannon, I'm like, you got to get your camera. He goes, well, I said, you got to film this. I said, this is a woman. He went out and he went, oh, my God. I'm like, welcome to Detroit, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it'll be a fun tournament, right? It'll be a great tournament, man. I think you look at the weights of the MLF. Those guys caught them good. good. Our weights are going to get – should be a little better as yeah. far as fish getting a little healthier. Those guys are really bringing it. So I think uh, I think Detroit's going to be a good one. I don't normally pre-fish, but I did go pre-fish that one because – it works on the way I think because it's so flat. There's just nothing to do out there. You just really got to drift a lot. So I wanted to go up and kind of just kind of get in the rhythm of it, fish. And I just don't hardly ever pre-fish, but I had the time and I ran at the last second, went up and then checked it out for four and a half days and come back. Well, I love having you on here, dude. I, and I love having conversations with you, whether we record them or some, some of the unrecorded ones I love even just a little bit more. We but might want to, to be on, that we, little facade. We might want to get on the Zach Russian comedy tour, the Dave Chappelle comedy tour for the host. <laughs> well, as long as you keep coming back here every once in a while, I'm a happy cat because, dude, you're a great dude. And and I'm going to answer one of my questions that I repeatedly asked you through this. I didn't ask many questions either. You were good. <laughs> but I kept asking, how do we change it? And, dude, I think I – 
I've been staring at the answer right here. Getting more people to verbalize and talk the way you have. Show people how honored they are to wear that badge. I mean, you hear, and it isn't all generate, you know, you hear Seth Fighter talk about it the same way. Yep. Anybody that. And it's not just our league. I don't want to say that just. Yeah. Fishing bass. Don't you ain't got. No, I love bass. But if you're on the MLF side, if you're on the competitor side, respect that patch. That's where you make your living. You know, and if you're on the, the MPFL, do the same. Yeah. And maybe, maybe you and I, or maybe we should talk about trying to highlight that. I feel like I haven't done an adequate job because I should have told Carl's story long ago because that's what I respect. When no one was looking, the man made the right decision. All right. Every few months when I have you on here, I'm going to, I'm going to press you on some, what good things have happened? <laughs> I like, there's some good things out there. I all like, right. hey, thanks okay. to all the Canadian people. If y'all want some positive mental attitude clothing, slack liners, I'm going to be a little, I'm going to be a little sponsor whore. Y'all go on my site and log in and buy everything. Baby needs shoes. My wife, we got grandkids. They need clothes. Y'all killing me. And I ain't got a check in the last four. Y'all help a brother out. I'm starting me a GoFundMe buy my clothes. Send me the links for all that. And I will make sure to put it in the comments and all that sort of stuff. And you guys show Gerald Swindle how happy you are to have him here. And gee, just tell Bob Cobb to take it away. You got it, boys. I'll do it. Now. Dave, thanks for having me on. I look forward to hearing your voice right up there at Lake St. Clair when you say j j j j j j giant bass. <laughs> Peace out. I'm gone, Canadian love squirrel. See ya. See ya. What a guest and what a conversation. I told you we dealt with some spicy topics, but I do want to insert this. Remove the people because it's nothing against any one angler, any one organization, anything like that. We are simply, what we simply did is have a conversation about things that have happened, about situations that have happened. And far too often people think it's this against this no, nobody's against anyone the conversation that was had in today's show was simply an angler expressing things that they've seen and ways that they think the sport can get better and isn't that the goal isn't that what every it doesn't even matter if it's fishing or anything every single sport you follow people want to leave the sport better than they came to the sport and if your conversations aren't to make the sport better, what are your conversations for? There's no such thing as being too honest. That's it for this show. Enjoy being, have a great week, and I'll see you next time. Take it away, Bobcap. Thanks for watching. Please like, comment, and subscribe. Because Bob Cobb of the Bassmasters told you to, you hear?